Once again, to Thinking Biblically, about things that matter. And we are now on our last lesson in our series on shame. I am Steve Ron. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church in Warsaw. And we are wrapping up our um, series on shame. Um, last week, we started... Um, talking about some checklists we can go through when we're trying to apply the gospel to our shame. And, um, and so we're going to do the final two checklists uh, today. So last week we talked about um, appropriate shame. How do we apply the gospel to appropriate shame before God and then appropriate shame before others? And today we want to talk um, our first checklist is going to be um, we're going to we're going to talk about applying the gospel to inappropriate shame, to shame that we we don't deserve to feel. Perhaps it's shame because we don't measure up to some faulty standard, or we um, or or it's shame because of the way people have sinned against us. And so, um, um, so we're gonna we're gonna look at, at the the uh, the inappropriate shame checklist. All right, so let's work our way through that. Um, the inappropriate shame checklist. Number one, first thing you got to do. Number one, do daily battle against the world's standards. Paul in Philippians three four through nine, um, he lists all the reasons that he has confidence in the flesh, um, and he's and he's speaking here of of um, Jewish. Uh, standards, right? This is how this is how a, a Jewish person would know they were honorable, that they, that they were um, not a shameful person, but an honorable person. You know, he goes through and he says, he's circumcised in the eighth day, people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he goes through like the, the he goes through the big like Jewish checklist and he says, but I counted all that as loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So this is Paul. Paul, um, Paul does daily battle against the world's standards, against faulty standards that are out there. Um, and now those are particularly Jewish standards, but we, if you read through Second Corinthians, we see that we see that Paul also rejected like the typical Roman standards as well. Um, you know, for for the Romans, it was different than the Jews. The, for the Romans, the, the shameful were the poor, or for those who didn't worship Caesar, or the manual laborers, or or teachers without an entourage, or untrained speakers, or non-Romans. And so, so there, every culture has their um, here's who's honorable and here's who's shameful. Um, and when we think about our own, like the standards around us every day, um, and maybe they're not anything that's being said explicitly to us, but they're everywhere. This, this sort of the standards that we live up against um, every day, you know, you 
body image and job status and home size and children's success and can we do all the things we used to be able to do? And we go on and on and on. There's all kinds of just unwritten standards out there. Um, and, and we can feel just ashamed of ourselves when we don't measure up. We can feel like nothings. We can feel like nobodies. Um, Paul knew what it was to, to not measure up to the standards of the people around him. And not just the world, but even professing Christians. 2 Corinthians 10 says, uh, he, he says, you know, they, they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Paul knew what it was like for even professing Christians to hold him up against um, like worldly standards and find that he didn't measure up. Paul knew what it was like to, to not measure up. And so he did daily battle against the world's standards. And he said, I count those standards as rubbish. Now, now, what we have to understand, um, because what I've what I've what I've learned in my study, in the as I've been as I've been studying this idea of shame, what I've learned and what I've tried to um, relay to to you guys is shame is incredibly complicated, and so and so we can feel shame because we don't measure up to worldly standards, right? We can feel shame about our body image or about the way our house looks or our yard looks or we can, or, or because of our job status. I mean, we can feel shame for a lot of like standards that don't truly matter. But what goes along with that oftentimes is we... Um, there are, there are many times we don't measure up to faulty standards because of our own sin, right? Like, like it doesn't truly matter. Um, doesn't truly matter what my yard looks like or what my body looks like, right? That's that. Those things don't truly matter. But and and so and and we can be shamed for for. Um, very like um, superficial things, but what we also have to understand is is that sometimes we fail to measure up to standards that don't matter because of our own sin. Like if like sometimes uh, you know my my yard doesn't look as good as my neighbor's yard because I've been lazy, because I've been lazy, and I've been and I've and I've been putting myself first. I've been self centered. I've been self serving. Because, it, because in the end, it's also truly kind to my family to, to mow the lawn, right? Uh, um, I, my kids need to be able to see each other when they play, you know, um, and, and not lose all their stuff out there. And, they, and it's a much more enjoyable if, uh, my, if my yard is kept pretty nice. Now, does it doesn't have to be perfectly manicured. Does it have to look like it belongs in the front of a magazine? No. But to serve my family well, I need to, to uh, meet this standard that truly doesn't matter <laughs> like it doesn't make me a, a a better or worse person the 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 uh the state of my yard <laughs> um but it does show some kindness to my family um and so i use that kind of a silly lighthearted illustration just to point out that sometimes we don't measure up to standards that don't truly matter but we don't measure up for our for our own sinful reasons. So sometimes we sometimes we feel shame 
because we don't measure up. But but when we sort it sorted out and we think through it in our minds, sometimes we'll find, hey, there is some sin here that I, I do need to repent of. There are some habits I need, do need to put away. There are some good habits I do need to put on. And so it's just hard work sorting through um, the way we feel about things. It's just hard work sorting through our shame. And, and so we have, to, we have to do this hard work of doing daily battle against standards that don't matter, doing daily battle against the world's standards, but, but also realizing sometimes, sometimes that's a check engine light. Sometimes when we don't measure up to even standards that don't matter, it, it does show um, that so, some character issues, some ways we need to grow. And so, um, and so that's, the first, that's the first thing on the checklist. Do daily battle against the world's standards. Number two, consistently remember that Jesus brings honor to our suffering. All right, so this is not really about not measuring up to the world's standards. This is more about if you've been abused or mistreated. If you've been abused or mistreated, you will undoubtedly suffer shame. And here's one thing that you can say to your feelings of worthlessness. You can say, Jesus brings honor to my suffering. So if you're suffering for, for appropriate reasons, if you're suffering shame because of your own sin, then Psalm 51 is a wonderful place for you just to hang out, right? Just live in that psalm, get to know it, uh, apply it to your own heart, to your own life, read it, memorize it, live in it. But if you're suffering from inappropriate shame, especially because someone has abused you or mistreated you, 2 Corinthians is a great book to hang out in. Just live in it. Just read through it because you'll find stuff like this. Um, Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So when we suffer in ways that demonstrate that our hope is in Jesus, and this includes suffering that we experience long after the fact, we are manifesting the life of Jesus in our mortal flesh. So so, so, so say, for instance, that your, your father treated you like garbage when you were a child or a teenager. So you're mostly going to suffer from that for the rest of your life. You're going to have to battle to, to not hear his voice every time someone disagrees with you or expresses indifference towards your hard work. You are going to suffer his scorn and cruelty perhaps long after he's passed away. But if you do this bravely, if you do this while saying, I love my human father. I know he was wrong about many things. I know that he never asked for forgiveness, but I'm not going to hold his sin against him. I firmly believe that in the end, Jesus is going to bring justice to all situations everywhere in a perfect way. I'm going to trust him for this. I'm going to remember that while I don't deserve the unjust wrath of my human dad, I do deserve the just wrath of my heavenly father but he has forgiven me. He rejoices over me because of Christ, and he will make all things good in the end. 
So when we suffer even shame long after the fact, if we can, if we can suffer in a way that makes much of Jesus, if we can have that kind of courage, then Jesus will bring honor to our suffering. I tell you, some of the most beautiful displays of gospel grace I've ever seen have been in those kinds of conversations with people. And they happen a lot. The Holy Spirit has done that kind of work in many other people. He can do it in you as well. Let's consistently remember that Jesus brings honor to our suffering. And then number three, let's adopt Jesus' strategy. Humans, human, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 um, reminds us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Part of looking to Jesus means trusting him, right? But, it, but also part of it means adopting his strategy, following him, doing life the way he did it. So, so when he, when, when, when people try to shame him, right? When people tried to make him feel ashamed, they heaped scorn upon him, trying to make him feel the subjective shame. How did he despise that? How, how did he remain unbothered by it? How did he refuse to be affected by it? He looked to the joy that was set before him. This was a big part of his strategy. And so it has to be for us as well. We have been bought with a price. We are secure in Christ. And so we must do the hard work each day of looking to Jesus. Trusting in the, in the great exchange. It, and it's, it's not easy. It's like the first century leper. It takes, it takes courage to take your head off of yourself and look to Jesus. But when we do look to Jesus, we see not only that he saves us, but that he gives us this beautiful example of of how did he despise the shame? He looked to the joy that was set before him. And we remember that actually in his wonderful grace, we're a big part of that joy. He was looking forward to the day when he would bring us to glory. So we remember the way he despised the shame and set his mind on the joy that was set before him. And then we do the same thing. This is how we fight against the subjective shame in our own hearts, in our own minds. We look forward to the joy that is set before us because of Jesus. We look forward to the day when he brings us in to the glorious eternity that only he deserves, but he is glad to share with us. This is how we must counsel ourselves often. We must look to the joy that is up ahead because of the gospel. So that's our, that's our checklist for inappropriate shame. And, it's, and, and those are things that we just have to do every day, pretty much. They're just, those are just conversations we have to have in our own minds, our own hearts, almost every day. And, I, and if you, you're struggling to do that, please reach out to me. Please email me. Please text me. I'll be glad to try to talk with you about it. I'm, and and there, may be, there may be ways that you, we, can, we can think about um, applying the gospel very specifically 
to the to the thing to the to the to the thing that's bringing you shame that's causing you to feel subjective inappropriate shame we can we can try to help and 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 um help you kind of uh, kind of reach through some sometimes our minds get very murky reach through the murkiness and grab hold of the truth i'd love to help you with that just reach out um, speaking of helping people um, our last checklist our fourth checklist um, here so we've done we've done two last week we did a couple on appropriate shame we've done now one on inappropriate shame and the last checklist is the helping others checklist I just want to, here's just a, here's just some things for, for not for your own shame, but for helping other people around you. And this is not, and I, I encourage you, um, don't wait to do these things until uh, after you find out someone's dealing with shame, but this will help people. If you kind of, if we can kind of live this way, this will help people to come out into the light and talk with us and, and look to be encouraged by us. Um, and so here's a few things, right? I'm just going to read them off and then we'll be done. Uh, number one, admit that you feel like an outsider sometimes because of the way you look or the way you feel or the way you can't do what you used to be able to do or because of some disappointment that came your way. Admit that you feel like an outsider sometimes. Admit that you feel like you don't belong. Admit that you struggle with shame. This will help the people around you. Number two, Admit that you don't feel great about certain parts of your reputation. We, we all have checkered pasts in some way. We, we all wish that we had a, had a better resume. It's good to just say, yeah, I, I don't always feel great about myself. And then number three, talk about the joy you found in lifting your head off of yourself and beholding Jesus. Number four, this is an important one. Second guess yourself when you feel tempted to treat someone like an outsider. We love to say who's in and who's out. We love to ostracize people. We love to draw a, a, a tight circle and then say those people don't belong. We just love to do that. Humans love to do that. They love to think of themselves as in, and they love to know who's out. They, they just, we just love to do that. Why is that? It's, it, it could be because we are struggling with our own shame. We're struggling to feel good about ourselves. Is it, is it possible that we are so quick, we're so trigger happy to like point out other people's flaws and point out why they don't belong in the group? Let's second guess that. Let's slow down on that. Let's ask ourselves, why am I so intent on, on saying these people are good and these people are bad? And Some of that is good. I mean, I, as a pastor, I'm, I'm called to, to call out false teaching and to, and to shepherd the flock and to protect from wolves. And I, I'm called to, you know, to, to point out heresy and all of that stuff. That's really, really good. Let's make sure we're doing it out of love rather than doing it out of our own personal shame, our own sense of not belonging, our own desire to feel better about ourselves. Number four, be willing to, um, or number five, be willing to listen and ask careful questions. Don't assume that just because you don't care what your body looks like or, or, or because you, you had, you're, because both your parents were just loving, normal, um, healthy parents, doesn't mean that, you, you know, other, like it's, 
we, we don't know. If we don't know, we don't know what it's like to grow up with a distant or angry father. In the end, our biblical task is to build our brothers and sisters up in Christ, to help them lift their eyes to Christ. So we do this carefully. We take our time. We ask good questions. Number six, remember how hard it is for you to really believe the gospel. It's hard for you. Whether or not you, you experience deep shame on a daily basis or not, it's hard for all of us to believe the gospel on a daily basis. Let's remember how hard it is to really remember that we are rich beyond our wildest dreams, that we are seated in the heavenly places, that we are clothed with glory and honor. The God of the universe rejoices over us because his son bled and died for us. It's really hard for us to believe that, whether we struggle with shame or not. Let's remember that when we're listening to our brothers and sisters and we're trying to encourage them. Let's run our race with endurance. Let's lift our head to Jesus. Let's, let's lift our head back to Jesus again tomorrow. Let's build each other up. Again, you have things you want to talk about. Things, if, this, if this series on shame sort of brought some stuff up to your own, into your own hearts and your minds, you'd like to talk about it with me, uh, please reach out to me. My email is pastorsteveron at gmail.com. Um, I would love to. I would love to hear from you. Our next series coming up in a couple of weeks is going to be um, on the life of John Knox. It's going to be like two weeks. Every year, I'm going to do a series um, around because uh, like October 31st is Reformation Day, um, and so the Sunday that's nearest that is Reformation Sunday. It's just like a it's like a fun church history thing where we, we remember uh, Martin Luther and some of some of our old church history heroes. So I'm going to do a, a brief sketch of a, of a church history figure every year about this time. So I'm going to do a two-week series on John Knox. Um, and then after that, um, Lord willing, we're going to have a, a series on transgenderism. So that's what's coming up in the weeks to come. I hope you can stay tuned. Um, and, I, and I really I pray that it's a, a blessing to you. Um, until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.